Hey everyone, welcome back to the All of Life for God podcast. I'm your host, Tavis Bollinger, Director of Media at Reformation Heritage Books. And um, I have Andrew Miller here, who you were ministering down in Virginia. That's right. But now you have a new role in Pennsylvania. That's right. It's called Regional Missionary. Regional Home Missionary, yes. Regional Home Missionary. Yes. So the OPC, uh, Orthodox Presbyterian Church that I'm a pastor in, um, they have this initiative that's really grown grown a lot over the last few years to have every presbytery have a pastor that doesn't have one congregation that he serves, but rather he's a servant of the whole presbytery and just tries to coordinate church planting in that presbytery, help all the churches, you know, daughter churches or, um, you know, meet with contacts. And so my my new role is going to be a, a variety of different pastoral roles. Uh, the, the RHM, Regional Home Missionary, will kind of be the guy on the scene before you get a church planter. And then he'll continue um, with a church plant until it's particularized, usually. So um, until they have their own elders and they're self-supporting and all that kind of stuff. So it, it starts out with... Um, you know, making contacts in an area and saying, hey, we have these folks, we have got 10 people in this area that want a faithful church and they've contacted us and, you know, I'll be kind of a pastor from afar uh, for a while, uh, just shepherding those guys or those people and then um, hopefully getting it to a Bible study and then evening service or whatever and then an official church plant and so forth. So um, I'm really looking forward to this new role uh, Mm -hmm. that I'm going to start in early October, okay. and um, okay. yeah, I, I've loved pastoring in, in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Um, those folks, it's it's always bittersweet. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my first call as a pastor, so it was hard saying goodbye to folks, um, but I learned so much there, and it was such a blessing, and yeah. I think this, this will be a new way to serve the Lord in a new place. How large is the presbytery that you'll be serving? It's not super large. It's pretty young presbytery. They... Okay. They split off from the Philadelphia Presbytery, uh-huh. I think, about um, 13 years ago. Okay. There's about nine or ten churches. What size of a geographical area are we talking about? It's not huge, which is uh, a pro, you know a blessing and a curse to a regional home missionary, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the larger area you have, the more potential places to, to plant churches. Sure, but the the larger, the more you have to drive, <laughs> um, and so you have. You know, the guy in Texas, I feel bad for him driving all over the place. But um, it's a pretty small geographic area, central Pennsylvania, just from really Hollidaysburg, Altoona on the western edge, Mm -hmm. and then Lancaster area on the eastern side. And then it goes from, you know, the border with New York on the the top and the border with Maryland on the bottom. So, um, yeah, so looking forward to it. I like like that concept of a home missionary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're... You're here today to talk about uh, what topic are we on now? The fall and sin. Well, I know that. I'm just saying the fourth topic, yeah? I think that's right. The way that you guys have outlined or that we've outlined this series. So we're talking about the fall and sin, which ties in pretty nicely with the idea of being a missionary, um, I would think, because one of the main things you need to present to people as a missionary is that 
is that key tenet of of the Christian faith, which is that we acknowledge um, our position before a holy and righteous God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but what specifically is it about the Westminster Shorter Catechism? And again, for those just tuning in, we are talking about the book that Andrew and Jonathan Cruz and Bill Bokestein have worked on. And as of this, well, by the time we publish this, it will have been um, released. So um, you're, why do I keep giving the name wrong? The, the Glorifying and enjoying God. Thank you. I always want to put the definite article before the, but there, what is the glorifying? <laughs> <laughs> so glorifying and enjoying God forever. Yes. 52 devotionals through the larger, the, the Westminster Shorter Catechism. So that's your subtitle. Yeah. Right. So glorifying and enjoying God forever, which of course comes from the first question mm-hmm. of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. We're not super original. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you don't need to be with this. I mean, it's so good. Like, why would you choose any other title, really? Yeah. So we're now within the fourth kind of main topic, mm-hmm. of which um, there are about 10 or 11, and we're talking about the fall and sin. Now, the three of you prepared this resource on the Westminster Shorter Catechism as a way to help the church, even possibly an evangelistic tool, but what specifically is it about the Westminster Shorter Catechism's um, teaching on the fallen sin that you would say is um, special? Mm. Well, it, there's a lot of questions um, that get to this topic. And so we have really, spanning the whole book, four chapters that deal with questions on this. Um, so that's a lot out of the total number of questions in the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which is 107, is that Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Okay, so what you're saying is that the fall and sin actually takes up a good chunk of those? Yeah, I mean, not as much as we're going to see with the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments. I mean, that's it's almost 40% of the catechism taken up with, yeah, those topics. Um, So not as much as that, but Uh still, it's about, you know, 10 questions on the fall and sin, Mm -hmm. which really reflects reality, right? Because every day that goes by, we sin against God in our words, thoughts, and deeds. So we're looking at just about 10% of the entire catechism is taken up with the question of Mm -hmm. humanity's sinfulness, sinful nature. Of course, you could then say, you know, the rest of the catechism is the undoing of the fall, right? Because um, redemption and all that that entails it you know presupposes the fall right but why does it take 10 questions to address the fall and sin couldn't it just be one you know human humankind uh fell with the sin of adam i'm just making this up it fell yeah. with the sin of adam yeah we need we need help from god to be redeemed i mean right isn't that enough or or why not now i am doing your dad <laughs> For those just tuning in, uh, two episodes ago, Andrew revealed that his dad was a trial attorney. Yeah. A lawyer, yeah. And a, a, a lawyer. And taught me the number one rule of a of a trial lawyer is only ask questions you already know the answer to. <laughs> so that you're never surprised. In and in the, the earlier episode, court. I claimed, oh, I don't do that. I only ask <laughs> questions that I know the answer to. But I guess that's not always true. 
Okay, so why why is the fall? Why is this topic of the fall and sin, or this doctrine, is a probably a better way of saying it? Why is this doctrine? Why does it need such coverage? What mm. what are all the different angles that are discussed of sin? Yeah, that um, that are important. That, that the Westminster divines. Let's put it this way: that the Westminster divines thought was important enough to include mm-hmm. in this final form of their shorter catechism. Yeah, I think, I mean, the catechisms always want to, it seems to me, they they speak as Scripture speaks as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And so um, the, the God's Word talks about the fall and sin in a variety of, of ways, and it, it affects our lives in a myriad of ways. And so the catechism gets at that from the, the initial question, you know, what is sin? And, uh, you know, this is one that sticks in my mind because I've taught my my kids this uh, you know, any lack of conformity to or transgression of the law of God. And, you know, that's a, a pretty bare, terse explanation, mm-hmm. but then it gets into what's the sinfulness of sin later on, you know, and mm-hmm. and all kinds of things that I'll, I'll get into in a second. But, you know, I think it's so important because, like you said, we we don't think we need Christ unless we recognize that we're fallen, you know, that we recognize that we're sinners. And and the world out there tries to depict Christianity as all about the rules, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we've all, probably most of us have had coworkers or known, you know, a family member who had a coworker who said, oh, this Christianity thing, it's all about rules, right? You mm-hmm. just, you be a good person. And yet, what does God's word say? That, you know, Jesus presents that man um, that went into the temple who stood afar off and who beat his chest. And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, right? That's the heart of the Christian religion. Yeah. It's, it's saying, be merciful to me, a sinner. It's mm-hmm. not saying, I'm a, I'm a perfect person. I've done all these other things. And that's, that's the, what the Pharisee was, was thinking. Um, and it seems to me that, you know, you read these gospel accounts, and again and again, Jesus is saying things to people to get them to realize they're sinners, you know, he tells that lawyer, you know, who says, oh, I've done this, I've done this. What else do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And he says, oh, go and sell all you have. And that's the one thing that guy's not willing to do. Mm. Um, and so, you know, Jesus continually gets people to acknowledge their sinfulness and then and thus their need for a Savior, their need for him and his grace. And so, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going all over the no, place that's here. Fine. But, so actually on that last example you gave of the man not being willing to give away his possessions in the light of, let's say this in the light of the Westminster catechism and it's teaching on sin. Would that be then a sin of omission? Like the man didn't do what he it's, it's not just a doing bad, but a not doing right. I think that it's that, but it's also an idol of the heart. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it would be getting at the, you know, what the section in the shorter catechism and the larger catechism, for example, bring out that it's not just about the actual outward deed. You know, mm-hmm. Jesus gets this in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, you know, it's not just having an affair. It's lustful thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's not just um, beating someone and taking their money, but it's it's being greedy and, you know, these, mm-hmm. uh, these sins of the heart. So for me, just off the top of my head, I would say that, you know, that young man, has an idol of the heart. He's idolizing his wealth. He's saying, this is what true happiness, this is what where that lies. Interesting. 
So even as we're talking right now, I'm starting to realize that my terse opening uh, attempt at a one statement on sin as being necessary is completely wrong because sin is so complex. Mm, yes. it's And it's not just about do's and don'ts, but it's about, mm-hmm. um, I mean, as, as I know the catechism gets into, but even our, our state. So it's not just behavior, but who we are mm-hmm. intrinsically as human beings because of Adam's sin, that, that concept of original sin. Um, but the complexity within sin too, I'd never thought about it that way, actually, that the man just didn't just do, he didn't just um, not do what he should have, which was follow Jesus and sell all his possessions. Would you like to deepen your understanding of Reformed theology? Check out Reform Systematic Theology, Volume 4, Church and Last Things by Dr. Joel Beakey and Paul Smalley. This book will lead you to explore key scripture topics from biblical, doctrinal, experiential, and practical perspectives. Order the culmination of Dr. Beakey's life's work at heritagebooks.org rst4. But there was another layer to his sin, which was, well, there were a few, but the other one was idolatry. And then even thinking about it now, there was a third, which is just that he is, he was a sinner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, I guess that would make sense. And why at least 10 questions are required to address. What are some specific examples from the catechism that you could just share in terms of how it speaks about the fall and about sin. Yeah. And you don't have to read all 10, but (laughs) (laughs) sure. You know, and just to add with, with what you were just saying, you know, this is why pastoral counseling, you need to get to the heart of the matter, right? With, with that man, it's not just the outward thing. You know, I'm not giving my money. Like Jesus told me to do this, but we, we don't want to just treat symptoms. We want to treat the underlying disease, you Uh know, it's like if somebody has has a cancer, a lung cancer, that one symptom is going to be the cough. But you don't want to just deal with the cough and cover that and mask that over, and then still they're dying of lung cancer. Mm. You know, you want to get to the heart. And I think um, that's part of the richness of our Reformed heritage with these confessions is is getting at these. And, you know, the Ten Commandments exposition that we're going to get to later even gets into detail about, you know, how do we, um, you know, not uphold the eighth commandment, thou shalt not steal. Well, sometimes we defraud ourselves of what God has provided by being lazy or misusing, you know, like if I just um, played video games every day, I would be a bad steward of what God's provided. Um, And I would be defrauding myself in that, not just defrauding God. But, um, Unless that was your job, we just need to sure kind of give credence to those who maybe that's how they provide for their family. That's true. <laughs> that's true. You know, I'm I'm a chess player, and okay, I was just telling someone that when I was coming up, um, and I was homeschooled, so I I had like hours to study chess every day for tournaments and things, but you couldn't make a living in chess when I was uh, 
younger and thinking about career options. Um, but now you can, you know, if you have a laptop and know how to use, um, what is it? OBS mm -hmm. and, and, you know, film yourself streaming on Twitch, you can make a living doing, doing wow. chess. So yeah, I wasn't getting it. I mean, no, no. Yeah, but just course. in general, you know, there's all kinds of ways. For that, most of us. Yeah. To spend your life frivolously yeah. is sin. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the shorter catechism gets to the fall and sin in a variety of ways. Uh, it talks about our first parents and their estate. Uh, so starting in uh, question 13, um, reminding us of the origin of sin, right? With Adam and Eve and the fall and the covenant works. And so after getting into what is sin in question 14, um, it then talks about what we call the covenant of works. And, you know, you could call it the, the covenant of, of life is how it's referred to here. And um, the, uh, the confession calls it the covenant of works. It just depends on if you want to describe the covenant in terms of what was held out, life or death, or what was required, which mm -hmm. is works. And so, um, you know, it gets into that uh, question 17, into what estate did the fall bring mankind? The fall brought mankind into a state of sin and misery. And then the next question gets into more detail. Wherein consists the sinfulness of that estate wherein man fell? The sinfulness of that estate wherein into man fell consists in the guilt of Adam's first sin, the want of original righteousness, the corruption of his whole nature, which is commonly called original sin, together with actual transgressions that proceed from it. Um, and then it talks about all of the consequences of that fall, right? That we've lost communion with God. We are liable to all kinds of pains and sufferings. And, you know, again, I think this is something that the church, that we all need to hear because, um, you know, I, I recently had an article that um, Banner of Truth published in their little magazine on um, sin's saltwater character, right? That we think sin is going to satisfy us. Mm. And it, it always leaves us emptier. Um, I mean, the scriptures say that um, there's a deceitfulness to sin. And we, we get uh, so caught up into that. Every time we sin, we're, we're believing a lie that this will make us happy or yeah. this will be good. Yeah. And it, it always just leaves us worse off. Mm -hmm. um, even though it appears good, it's, uh, what, what does Hebrews say? It's the, the momentary pleasures, the fleeting pleasures yeah. of sin. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's where, again, going back to our book title, right? Glorifying and enjoying God. Um, where we have this great meaning and purpose to enjoy God. And so the Christian life is not this drudgery. It's not a boring, dull affair, but it's meant to be one of joy and peace and assurance. And, and sin is, is the opposite. Sin mm. brings misery. Yeah. How, how would you as a... Um as a minister, use the Westminster Shorter to address things like addiction. And the reason I'm bringing this topic up is because um, for anyone who's aware of what's happening in the world today, we know that um, we've gone from like the crack cocaine epi epidemic of the 80s, 90s into the Oxycontin situation which has taken hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives. And then now we're in the fentanyl, essentially an epidemic 
that's ravaging this country. And for the people that are caught up in this, it's what you just talked about, this momentary pleasure that does not satisfy Mm. and actually kills you. Yeah. Like drinking salt water will kill you Mm -hmm. if you keep trying to do that. If you keep trying to satiate your thirst using salt water. Um, Understanding, of course, that the Westminster Shorter Catechism was not put together at a time when we had these present issues, you know, meaning uh, highly powerful narcotics that for some reason are nearly, if not impossible to completely detach from. Again, I'm not an expert in the topic, but it, it just seems that we as the church will be or have been encountering these individuals or families that are that have individuals in their family who are, um, you know, have been caught by the talons of of opiates, basically. Um, how can the how can the Westminster Shorter Catechism help? Not just for a minister, but perhaps what if it's your brother who's caught up in it or your son or someone close to you? What what does what resource do we find in the Westminster Shorter? Yeah. I feel like I have to give that disclaimer at the beginning that I'm not an expert in that either. Yeah. You know, and and that I think as a pastor approaching that kind of issue, you do have to recognize where you're competent and where mm. you need you need help, you know, professional yeah. help. And I know in the OPC we have an elder who is a, a doctor in West Virginia, a mm-hmm. church there, who's an expert on that kind of thing. Okay. And and so I think the church has a lot to learn about these kinds of things, um, just from from that standpoint. But with that, I'll say we also have to say, what's the heart issue, right? There's a physical issue mm-hmm. with addiction mm-hmm. that, you know, whatever these narcotics or various things are affecting our bodies because we, we are body and soul, yeah. right? Um, we're dualists in that sense, right? We, we believe it's not just matter. Um, yeah. and, and so the approach that I, I have is always sort of isolating, okay, what is a physical thing? And then what is a heart thing? Mm-hmm. Because there's always going to be both. And um, there was an old book um, by Ed Welch called Blame It on the Brain that I appreciated, right? Where it was, it was helping people care for, you know, an elderly parent with Alzheimer's or uh, some other kind of issue sure. and saying, okay, what's a, what's a physical problem and what's a heart problem? And, yeah. and so yeah. for me, using the shorter catechism and using the scriptures to address what you can with the heart while also saying, let's get somebody else who can uh-huh. tackle these physical withdrawal symptoms, whatever that might be. But I think what you were getting at is, is exactly right that, you know, the catechism presents the scriptures in a way, I, I know we talked about this yesterday, but to, to bring out the grandeur of God, mm-hmm. um, and to bring out the grandeur of your life, um, you know, that, that we, to, to use the, what Switchfoot um, song, you were made for so much more. Um, <laughs> showing my age here a little yeah. bit. Um, you know, growing up in the 90s and the early 2000s with, uh, you know, Christian pop or whatever. Um, but, you know, I think presenting people with this vision of your life um, doesn't have to be spent with needles on the couch, um, mm-hmm. you know, and 
it, yes, you are fallen and you are sinful and you you have been, um, to use another a book on this, um, Banqueting in the Grave, right? I think there's a, a book called Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave. Um, you've been banqueting in the grave, but there's hope. You know, God mm. transforms people. Um, and And that's one of the things I love about God's word is that the disciples are again and again shown to be not with it, right? I mean, it's an, it's an apologetic for Christianity because if these disciples are fabricating a story, they don't do so in a very complimentary way, right? No. Peter is doubting. He's denying Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the disciples in Mark, they're arguing over who's going to be at, at Jesus's right mm-hmm. hand. And, mm-hmm. and they're, they're uh, you know, Mark 6, I just preached um, at Jonathan's church on Sunday, and I, I did the passage in Mark 6 where the disciples are out on this boat, they're not making headway, and Jesus passes by them, and it says they didn't understand. You know, they just don't get it. He's, he's revealing himself to be the Lord, um, the God who passed by Moses, hidden in the cleft of the rock, and th- their hearts are hardened, it says. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, Jesus doesn't demand that you have a faith that can move mountains. Mm-hmm. He doesn't require disciples who can walk on water, mm-hmm. but he, he gives you faith, and even faith, a mustard seed, because it's not about the strength of our faith. Yeah. It's about the strength of our Savior. And so yeah. those are some of the things that I would encourage somebody who has a loved one struggling with addiction is, is to use the scriptures to portray hope for the broken and mm-hmm. the downcast mm-hmm. and and the greatest of sinners and the hope of new creation, you know, because we can't think about the fall without also thinking about the good news. And so the, the shorter catechism, it elaborates all these questions on the fall, but then it, it moves to the glories of redemption as well, yeah. to new creation. You know, if anyone's in Christ, behold, new creation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, wonderful goodness. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's a good way of answering the question because... It's um, I, it doesn't seem like there's any perfect answer. No, I've talked to people who that their deceased loved ones, you know, from overdose, for example, they they say that yeah, they were a Christian, like they professed Christ, they they tried as hard as they could, but they succumbed to this thing. Um, whereas others, you know, acknowledge that no, that person did not have a. Uh, a relationship with the Lord. Um, but it does sound like from what you're saying that we do at least have a resource in, of course, scripture, but also in the Westminster Shorter Catechism of a way to, a way to grasp the bigger picture that is, that is connected to and fully informs our understanding of that specific, specific circumstance. And yet, at the same time, links us to the bigger picture, which you expressed as God's glory. That's ultimately what it's all about, and it's that's that's pretty profound. And yesterday, actually, we were talking about this about how I think Bill had mentioned it, and so did you, about how um, you know a, a pastor can use or rely upon the the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and of course other confessions of faith, but as a, as a way to, well, the map is the analogy we've been using, but in specifically in counseling sessions, 
as a way to um, really stay close to Scripture in these interactions with other human beings, whether they be parishioners or non-believers, and without kind of straying into our own thoughts about what God might have to say or not say. So, yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? It is, you know, and and um, I think one of the things you're getting at is we have a God who breaks the bondage of sin. Yeah. You know, and, that, and that's a, a wonderful promise. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, you're right. We've all had those moments where someone is, you know, maybe our daughter or whoever asks us a question and we're like, huh, you know, and, and that's where the shorter catechism and the larger catechism are so helpful. And I mean, as a pastor, you you have those moments where someone asks you a question, you're like, oh, I haven't thought about that in a couple of years. Let me, uh, I think this is the answer, but let me check myself by the Westminster Confession and would, just see if it addresses it. Would that, so I'm just curious, but would that be kind of your first port of call? Yeah, definitely. Is the catechism? Yeah, um, and and I think... Not not like Grudem's systematic theology or... <laughs> sorry. Well, just... Grudem, it wouldn't be the first systematic that I go to. Um, although I am enjoying... Um, the the Van Maastricht that RHB is putting out. Uh, yeah, so a little plug for RHB stuff. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, you know, I, I am enjoying that. And of course, Burkhoff and Bovink mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. the classics. Um, but you would, before even those guys, you would go to the catechism. I, I think so, definitely. Let's, stick it, let's stay with the fallen sin. So why the catechism there? And, and the next question, of course, is, are you using the catechism then as a launch point to those other resources, not yeah. to the exclusion of them, of course. Right. Yeah. I think it just depends on how nuanced the question is, because obviously Burkhoff, Bob and so forth, Von, Von Maastricht are going to get into a lot more detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they're going to explain for a large part how different theologians in the history of the church have explained this. And I mean, often they, they refer back to these these documents as well and say, this is where kind of reformed orthodoxy fell on this um, sure. as expressed by the the Westminster standards. But, um, you know, I think you go here because it says the truth so succinctly and clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you still might have questions, um, you know, getting into those details of uh, addiction and, uh, you know, the will and affections and the heart. I mean, the heart is so complex, right? Yeah. It, who can understand it? Yeah. Um, and so we are blessed by those systematic theologians mm-hmm. and their work. Um, you know, John Newton said, anatomy is my favorite um, branch, you know, of religion, like understanding the human heart and its mm-hmm. workings. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a lost art today in the church with pastoral ministry. Um, but yeah, you know, you start here and, and then you kind of use those other guides, always going back to this. Of course, I'm a little biased because these are my um, churchly standards, right? Mm-hmm. That my credentials um, in, as a pastor in the OPC depend on subscribing to this and yeah. saying this is a faithful summary of scripture. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I once had somebody tell me, well, you know, you shouldn't be teachable as a, as a pastor hmm. in the sense that you've said, these are my standards. This is the truth. Interesting. And, and I'm like, but isn't that elevating yeah. the standards to the level yeah. of scripture? Yeah. I mean, yes, I'm always teachable by scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's 
why I should be teachable when it comes to my system of doctrine that, mm-hmm. you know, it, we hold this as it, as it reflects scripture, uh, not because it is yeah. on the equal level. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Okay. Interesting. Um, okay. Last question on this topic and then, uh, then we'll close it out. So given the significance of the fall and sin, to who we are as Christians, but also who you are as a pastor. Jonathan made the confession yesterday that he only has about 15% of the Westminster Shorter memorized. In terms of priority of memorization then, where would the fallen sin be? Should this be, should you have all 10 memorized? I don't know that you need all 10, but, you know, uh, and, and I knew that admission was going to come in uh, again. Um, yeah. You know, I think that certainly the one on sin is really helpful because uh-huh. it gets to what you were pointing out, commission and omission, right? Okay. You know, you're transgressing, you're transgressing the law of God or um, you're, you're falling short of it mm-hmm. as well, right? Mm-hmm. So omission, commission. But, you know, even question 84 what does every sin deserve? Every sin deserveth God's wrath and curse, both in this life and that which is to come. And again, that's just so practical because day by day, we, we throw pity parties, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we think we deserve better. You know, oh, this person at the grocery store or in the, in the car, you know, I didn't deserve their scorn and their, them yelling at me. Yeah. Or, you know, I deserve better is what we keep saying. And yet this humbles us and puts us in our place and reminds us, man, all we bring on ourselves is misery and anything good in our lives is, is by God's grace. Um, and so, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I always go more for those short questions in the, in the catechism, honestly, although, (laughs) you know, we didn't get into this. I, I know Jonathan touched on it, but going for my licensure and ordination exams in the Presbyterian church, it was so helpful to Mm. be able to memorize some of those questions on justification and adoption, sanctification. They're not short. They're kind of medium length, uh, maybe on the longer side, but they're just so helpful um, in the Christian life as a whole. Just that reminder that um, I'm forgiven, Mm. that my sins are pardoned. Um, and that the righteousness of Christ is accounted to me and received by faith alone and, um, or adoption. I have, I'm, I've received the rights Mm -hmm. to call God my father and all that that entails, the access to God. So, uh, yeah. So memorize what you can, um, (laughs) and it will be helpful. Andrew, thanks for this. It was good to hear just some, uh, more in-depth discussion on the fallen sin. Although I think, it definitely leaves all of us wanting more. So again, I would just encourage all of you listening, check out glorifying God and enjoying him forever. Uh, this new devotional that's coming out from uh, Andrew Miller and Jonathan Cruz and Bill Bokestein. And then uh, next week on the all of life for God podcast, we are going to have, well, the natural follow on to our discussion today, right, Andrew, which is redemption and Christ's work. And that'll be with Jonathan Cruz. Uh, then justification and faith again, as you were just ex- as expressing, literally a moment ago. Um, who's covering that one, Jonathan? Again, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not sure. 
No, I have it here. It's Jonathan. And then uh, we'll have you in again for uh, sanctification and the Holy Spirit, which we're actually going to record right after this. <laughs> yes, yes. But uh, we'll pretend that it happened uh, a couple weeks later. Thanks again for coming on. Um, really good to have you here, man. And I look forward to uh, our, our uh, last two discussions coming up. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to All of Life for God by Reformation Heritage Books. If you have enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please consider subscribing and sharing with a friend. Reformation Heritage Books is a nonprofit ministry aiming to strengthen the church through Reformed, Puritan, and experiential literature. To learn more about this ministry and how to support us, please visit rhb.org dot o-r-g